Welcome to the Marketing Growth Podcast. I'm your host, Shane Barker, and we have with us Gideon Lask, the founder and CEO of Biopower, a lead referral marketing platform. He's been in the e-commerce space for over 20 years. On today's episode, we're going to talk about Gideon's company, Biopower, his entrepreneurial journey, and what the platform has in store for brands and retailers. If you need any help with affiliate marketing, influencer marketing, content marketing, link building, SEO, or other brand services, reach out to me and my team for collaboration opportunities. You can check out my website at shanebarker.com. That's S-H-A-N-E-B-A-R-K-E-R.com to discover our services. Let's get started. Tell us a little bit, like, where did you, where did you grow up? I know you, we just talked about you're in London right now. Did you grow up in London? I'm a London boy, born and bred, Shane. Um, I spent two very exciting years living in Canada when growing up. But other than that, yeah, very dull and boring London boy. Um, it's uh, where I was born, where I was educated, uh, and now where I have uh, built our business. Albeit now we, we've reached that exciting part where actually the majority of the team aren't in London or even in the UK. They're outside of, of the UK, uh, which is nice. Then it, was that due to COVID or was that a situation where you guys just kind of started doing more of a remote style team? Um, I think directionally, we were becoming more of a global team and COVID accelerated that. Um, when you start a business in the UK, that's where you should grow, of course, but then quite quickly, because the, our home market is smaller than, say, the United States, you quickly have to get your head around about being an international company and dealing with language and currencies and different cultures as well. And so we expanded to France, to then Germany, to Spain. Um, we then bought a company um, in North America to expand there. But yeah, we had to get our head around about being global quite quickly. Um, and because you're selling into, for example, Spain, lo and behold, the very best people to sell in Spain or indeed to serve Spanish clients um, or worldly Spanish developers are actually in Spain. So um, we, we got our head around that, having a, 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 a workforce in different countries. Um, and COVID accelerated the remote nature of that. And we're, we're very much a kind of remote first business, um, getting our head around the, the hybrid model. Um, but it's, it's working well. And one of the best things that I've been able to do over the last year and a half is say to guys who were in London, yeah, listen, fulfill your dream, man. Go and work in Rome. Go and live in Ibiza. Um, Why not? Yeah, and, and they are, and it's working beautifully well, and these people aren't wasting four hours commuting in and out of the office. Um, and and it's, it's lovely to help people kind of live, live their best life. Well, and I love that. And I think the thing is, 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 and here we go, we're going to jump into the, the, the company. I'm going to pause this here in a second, but I do know that you guys are doing, when I mean, you talk about, you know, hey, being in Spain and being other places, you guys are doing what a hundred, you work with over a hundred leading brands and you guys have in 27 countries and 21 languages. Like that's, that's not just working in Spain, my friend, you guys have, you guys have accelerated this thing. We, we, we have, and our approach, Shane, has been to focus on very large clients, um, the likes of Vodafone and T-Mobile, um, Centrica, um, rather than small companies, we deal with very large entities and we work with them internationally across all of their various sub-brands. That's our strength. If you are large and complex, 
we love you. If you are working in a regulated industry like telecoms or gambling or healthcare, we love you, um, which is nuts, right? What am I doing? Why, why have I gone after this segment of customers who are lovely but quite hard to work with? Um, that's become our thing. Um, so, yes, 100 large, complex, demanding clients around the world. That's awesome. So, okay, so we're going to, I don't want to jump into the business. I mean, we've already started kind of touching a little bit. I want to get a little, know a little bit more about you, the Mr. Mastermind that goes after the biggest clients in the world, the most complicated clients in the world. I want to understand why you're that sick. Why, why, what caused you, like, let's, let's talk about your family. Like, how big was your family growing up in London? Uh, family of four, two psychiatrists as parents, which ah. probably explains a lot. I'm a shrink kid. Uh, um, so not really knowing what I wanted to do, I did a bit of selling, a bit of sales before going off to university. Um, then found myself in a management consultancy called Ernst & Young, being exposed to uh, digital very early on in the mid-90s, um, helping banks primarily get online for the first time. Um, fell deeply in love with digital as a channel, just the immediacy of it, the, the, the ability to understand what changes, what had what impact upon the customer. So fell in love massively with the channel, hated being a consultant, this idea of jumping in and out um, of, of various projects. I hated, I liked being in something. And so quickly moved to join a company called letsbuyit.com, which was um, Europe's very largest e-commerce player. It was huge in 18 countries, growing at something like 300% every year. So I, I joined to run business development for them at the start of a bit of a rocky patch. Uh, they had a massive boom and then a massive bust um, to the point that actually the business pretty much went into chapter 11 or the European equivalent. Um, but that gave me a chance to, to buy the business. Um, I guess with my management consultant glasses on, I'd kind of seen what was right and what was wrong in that business. Um, and, and we were great at branding and marketing. We were terrible at logistics and warehousing and stuff. So I, I flipped the business into being a marketplace rather than a traditional online retailer. Um, restructured, went down from all of these countries down to four, from hundreds of staff down to about 50 staff. Um, ran that for a few years and, and, and then sold it. Um, all, all at a relatively young age. So learned a huge amount. I mean, between you, me, Shane and, 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 and your listeners, you kind of make it up as you go along, but that's how you learn. And, and it, was a, it was a fabulous five years. I, I, I loved it. But for my next gig, I took a bit of time out. But for my next gig, I didn't, have to, I didn't want to have to worry about keeping the business alive and cash flow and that kind of stuff. And um, I was offered the most amazing opportunity. Um, I, I don't think it was in America, but the largest entertainment retailer in Europe and indeed Japan uh, was called HMV, his master's mm. voice. And so um, it was the store I'd go to growing up to go and buy records and CDs and stuff. And um, so it had a, a big cultural impact on my life. And, and everyone I knew grew up with HMV. Um, you, you'll probably recognize the, the logo. It was a dog with a gramophone player. Yeah. Um, and, and so joined there, gosh, in mid, well, early, early 2000s. And um, they didn't have a website. They had an amazing <laughs> business, all store-based, no website. Um, so if, if truth be told, I, I came in and I did initially the basics. And just by doing the basics, 
this thing grew and grew Took and off. grew and we introduced digital into the mix. Um, and it was, a, it was a mega success story. And it was so wonderful to be able to work with this team of, of talented, talented retailers who taught me so much and to be able to just do my little bit of e-commerce stuff and to actually transform that organization to the point that something like one in five sales were, were done online. And this is a long time ago now. Yeah. Uh, just as Amazon was coming into Europe. So five of the happiest years of my life, selling music, film and games, so cool. Um, but again, when you've taken that kind of mega growth journey, um, and, and as rightly should be the case, you don't want to create a business within a business. So you then start handing bits back to the core business. Um, and that's where, as a, I guess, an entrepreneur, I start to, to lose interest at that point. Um, but the guys at Universal Music, uh, a guy called Lucian Grange that runs it now, had, had a brilliant vision uh, around direct to consumer. And so he wanted uh, all of his artists to start selling uh, music and merchandise and tickets and experiences direct to the, the fan, um, cutting out middlemen like, like HMV, which I just thought was so cool and so disruptive. And as yeah. a retailer, the, the dream is to get to work of the product, not reselling someone else's product. So um, when, when Lucy and, and the guy in the UK called David Joseph came to me with that idea, I, I jumped at it. Um, and it was, it, it was fabulous, very supportive guys. And boy, we, we, we learned a lot about how you sell a product direct to consumer in that space. Now, this is 2009, early social days, but I took the opportunity to leverage everything about social. The big opportunity here was working on behalf of the likes of the Rolling Stones or Justin Bieber or Lady Gaga. You would create stuff or at least promise stuff to the super fan. So the super fan of Lady Gaga, you'd say, I'll create this amazing box of stuff for you with merch and music or record this special edit for you or give you this behind the scenes concert experience. But we need you to bring your mates in because Unless enough of you want it, we can't manufacture it. So it was kind of like Kickstarter, working for the super fan. And then the super fan go out and, and find other people to buy this product. And it was word of mouth happening digitally, which mm. sounds really obvious now. But until social came about, doing word of mouth didn't really happen. Yeah, you might email your mates, but did that have an impact? You certainly couldn't track it. But suddenly with social and virality, you saw word of mouth marketing working in real time. And we were selling and selling and selling these products. And, um, and let me remind everybody, this was 2009, 2010. This was 11 yeah, exactly. years ago. This was at the, like, I don't even think people were talking about word of, I mean, word of mouth was word of mouth, but not word of mouth through digital. It was brand new. Absolutely. And, and I mean, the internet prior to that had been a one-to-one -one conversation, to be honest. It was, it was brand and customer. And then suddenly the customers were having conversations with each other and the brand could participate in it. It was really exciting. And as, as much as I loved what I was doing at Universal, um, proud of the team that we built and, and what we achieved, I just saw this wave of change coming and I felt compelled to do entrepreneur again. And, and to build my own business. And so back in 2011, 
um, I decided to do something called co-buying. Um, and that's what buyer power was when we launched, hence the name buyer power, which will make sense in a minute. Um, I felt that the power balance should be corrected and that retailers should not be in charge, but the buyer, the consumer mm. should be in charge, buyer power, moving the power to the buyer. Co-buying is about taking in economies of scale and offering them up to a disparate audience of people that may not know each other necessarily. So I might offer you this little thing of Chanel Bleu perfume, and that would probably cost me $100 to buy in a store. But if we could group everyone in my office together, we could probably reduce the price to, I don't know, 80 bucks. If I could get everyone listening to this to buy, we could probably reduce it down to 50 bucks. So we were doing that. Collective buying, group buying in real time, dynamic price shifting as more people committed to the product. Um, and God, it, it went gangbusters, Shane. We were selling thousands and thousands of units within minutes. Um, the customer loved it. Um, alas, the manufacturers, the brand owners, didn't love it so much. And <laughs> yeah, I was going to say. They, and of course, of course, they didn't because it was it was price point erosion. They shouldn't. Yeah. Love it. it was terrible what I was yeah. doing. Um, <laughs> usually, these price discounts are very much behind the scenes, uh, but I was bringing them up front and center. Um, so the brand manufacturers and, and retailers that I was kind of trying to buy my product from, saying gifts, like love what you're doing, really exciting, disruptive. But no, but how about this, Gideon? How about this? Why don't you give us your technology and then we could put it inside our apps or our websites and mm. do this co-buying thing as a campaign? Um, and, and that was our pivot into B2B SaaS. Um, moving away from trying to be a marketplace um, and actually becoming B2B SaaS. And... Um, that again was really successful for um, three years. We we did that, but in terms of scaling, it was a challenge because brands and retailers were taking the technology and they were running one-off campaigns rather than evergreen campaigns. Mm -hmm. So that didn't lend itself to being a recurring revenue stream for for my business. It was also quite, quite complex to, to sell. It was kind of like the CEO had to sell this vision of group buying and co-buying. Yeah. Um, and so it was very hard to repeat that and to build a team behind it. Um, one, one of my very close friends who's been in the business uh, since day dot, a guy called Tim Simmons, um, who now runs BizDev for us, he came to me and in 2014 uh, or 2015, he said, Gideon, have you seen companies like Uber and Dropbox and Airbnb? And they're all launching in Europe now using Refer a Friend for their acquisition. <clears throat> and Tim said, and he was trying to sell co-buying at the time and not having the greatest success. He said, kids, let's be realists. If we want to scale this business, what we should do is recognize that co-buying is not dissimilar to Refer a Friend. And we should double down on refer a friend. And he was right because the mechanics are very similar. It's all about one person and being enabled and encouraged to go out and get other people in. 
and basically reacting to that. So the trigger is people coming in, the reward could be a discount, it could be an incentive. Yeah. Co buying, very similar to refer a friend. And so, God bless Tim, he was right, he was spot on. So we doubled down, and since 2015, um, we have been all refer a friend. That's been our, our focus. We're sadly nerdy about refer a friend. We scaled, as I said earlier, in the UK and then across Europe and then into North America, but never becoming all things to all men. That was never the idea. The idea was to be brilliant in the sectors where we chose to operate, allowing us to be properly defensible against our competition. Um, we now work with, gosh, what, the 20 largest telecoms businesses in the world. Why would you go to anyone else if you were a telco and wanted to do RAF? We're, we're kind of the, the, the go-to choice. So that's, that's been my journey. Um, and I guess some, some key points there about the, the evolution of the, the business, um, which, is, which is now, it, it, it's in a great place and it's growing. And I'm, I'm delighted that I'm in this wonderful place where I can just do podcasts like yours, Shane, and, and, and the rest of the team are, are doing the magic. Yeah, that's awesome. So when we talk about refer a friend, I mean, really, it's it's word of mouth, right? I mean, it's just saying, hey, how do we get people to, you know, like kind of like the the situation where you're like, hey, you can buy this for $100. But if you can get 10 of your friends to get it, then it's $80. And if you get 100 of your friends to get it, it can be $65. So it's kind of the same thing. So when we talk about businesses, the business that you guys deal with, like what, like, why should they do this? I mean, what's, what's, what's the benefits? I mean, obviously, because I look at if I'm a business and I go, okay, that's awesome. But obviously, it's what the scalability, it's the fact that somebody else is promoting for you, I would imagine. Like, give, give me your intel there. So word of mouth, if you're a good brand, decent brand, good products and services, word of mouth is going to happen anyway. But if you layer good software and a good promotion on top of that natural behavior, you can amplify the impact of word of mouth 100x. Um, some of our clients are doing over 50% of their new customer acquisition via refer a friend. Um, it's that powerful a channel. What you also find is the customers that refer a friend brings in are far more profitable than customers that might come in via Facebook or Google, maybe just hunting for a deal. The very fact that they've come on the back of a recommendation makes, means they have a far higher conversion rate and they're more profitable. What also happened, Shane, and I, I didn't predict this, if you look at the, um, the lifetime value of the customer that refers, you look at that before they refer and after they refer, they become about three times more valuable mm. to the brand after they refer. They, they have a lower propensity to churn. They have a higher propensity to take multiple or higher value products um, from, from our clients. So whilst it's primary an primarily an acquisition channel, it has some nice loyalty benefits as well. Yeah, that's huge. Yeah, I mean, because that's the thing is it's, it's coming from a referral, somebody's recommending it, then you're going to be asking a lot less questions because it's coming from somebody that you trust. So that makes that makes total sense. So with you guys obviously working with so many big brands, um, what are some of the, I mean, can you talk to us about some of the, the campaigns and some of the, the companies that are absolutely nailing it? I mean, you, you touched on it a little bit and said, hey, some of these, uh, the new acquisition channels, I mean, 50% of it's coming from this word of mouth or this, you know, referral, referral friend type situation. Is there anybody else, any other brands that you guys are working with that are crushing their initiatives? 
Um, I mean, we're, we're fortunate because we made that choice of working with not thousands of clients, but hundreds. We, we like to think all of our clients are crushing it because we can offer not just the technology, but the service and the consulting and the client success that, that goes into all of it. What I'm getting quite passionate about right now is some of the streamers that we work with, like the uh, Zone Massive Sports Streaming Network and Formula One Television, and and how you can look at the. I mean, there's a passion, right? People are watching sports that they really dig and they really love, and how you can drive referral not just of the brand but actually of the content that I'm consuming. So um, it would be very easy to have a DAZN program, which is, hey, Shane, have you heard of DAZN? You should sign up to DAZN and you're going to get three months free and I'm going to get 50 bucks of reward. You know what? That would probably work. But what's way, way better is um, if you're targeting me, if you're watching what I'm watching, and uh, let's say I've just binge watched, um, there with the European references, but here I've binge watched um, the UEFA Champions League highlights from the last 10 years. And you can see I've spent six hours of my Sunday watching this. All right, awesome. This user is engaged. He's hooked in. Let's deliver a message to his phone right now with a great picture, a screen he's been watching with a URL in it and a code that he can post his Instagram stories. And I post that to my Instagram stories and it says that I've just binge watched six hours of UEFA Champions League. You should too. <laughs> and you'll get rewarded. Go to this URL code. So really diving down into people's specific passion points and their behaviors and driving referral from that rather than just a big banner on the zone site that says, hey, refer your mates. Yeah. So really, I'm, I'm quite passionate about that now. Thanks, listeners. I hope this helped you learn about referral marketing and how it is helping brands acquire more valuable customers who are more likely to have a greater lifetime value. On my next episode, we'll talk about using the right messaging at the right time to win more referral traffic and sales. Don't forget to tune into the Marketing Growth Podcast to learn more from my friend Gideon Lask. 